have a good intro. Are you ready? Yeah. Okay, everyone. Wait, are you going to do the voice? Shh, everyone shut up. <laughs> well, hello! Is that good? Yeah. That's it. That's all I have. Okay, hold on. I'll do the whole thing. I'm nervous. Well, hello! And welcome to Hello Horses. Is that how he sounds? That's not in Dutch. It's close enough. Welcome to Hello Horses, the movie podcast that says there's a horse in this movie. <laughs> I think for this episode, we I know that um, we usually choose the alias Daniel for you. I think that's going to be really confusing this episode. Oh, yeah. Let's, um, we'll call me Robin. Okay, there's no one named Robin in this room. There's no Robins okay. in the movie. I mean, that confused me because I just watched Encino Man and the name of the main love interest was Robin. I'll, st- I'll go by Mara Wilson. I don't think that that <laughs> will be yeah. confusing for this episode. Do you think that's good? Um, yeah, I think that works. Okay, so Mara you're just Robin, no Williams. last name. Okay, you want to go by Robin Williams and yeah. I'm Mara Wilson. Yeah, I mean, you don't have to, don't call me Robin Williams all of a sudden. Mr. Williams. <laughs> that's good, that works. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Williams, mm-hmm. what movie did we do today? We did the 1993, um, crime film, <laughs> <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. I'm, like, actively sweating. <laughs> Heist film. It is a heist. (laughs) The uh, psycho horror, the psychological horror. Thriller. Thriller. (laughs) Mrs. Doubtfire. It's it's as anxiety inducing as Punch Drunk Love. I haven't seen Punch Drunk Love. It was like watching the movie Mother. I've never seen so many horrors in one evening. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, I mean, Mr. Williams, what is this movie about? What <laughs> the This movie is about two terrible parents. <laughs> just, um, and their terrible marriage <laughs> struggling to raise three terrible children. Aww. Mm-hmm. And, um, the, <laughs> oh no, the father, Daniel, uh-huh. disguises himself as a British nanny to spend more time with his children, and through that learns to be a more responsible father and husband? Potentially, except that doesn't come to fruition. Do you think that this movie inspired Nanny 911? Yes. Okay. Uh, Dale, what is your relationship <laughs> with this movie? Uh, so, I've never seen this movie before. I've, I mean, I've known about it um, my whole life, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, this movie is older than you. It's older than me. Um, I... Yeah, I I think that it kind of had a resurgence in the last couple of years where a lot of people were kind of rewatching it and rewatching it through a sort of uh, 
Wow. So I've seen so many episodes of The West Wing just in class. Wow. And I will say it was as informative as any of the material of AP government because of that class is actually, I, I feel so bad for anyone who took, um, um, economics instead. Oh, I took economics. So it was pretty good. Yeah. AP government is super easy. AP economics was also pretty easy. Anyway, so he put Mrs. Doubtfire on, <laughs> fell asleep and I watched it. Uh, Dale, were you expecting horses in this movie? Um, I guess not, because you earlier, maybe two weeks ago or this week, you texted me and said there's horses in this movie, and I said, oh shit. You did say, oh shit. Yeah, so I, I that's guess. I love, uh, that's my favorite response when I tell you there's horses in a movie, I'm like, I done good. So I guess I, I was surprised. I was also surprised because I wasn't sure if there were horses in this movie. Which San Francisco, famously not Horse Town, USA. Famously not Horse Town, USA. So, but I was thinking about how the beginning party has the petting zoo, and I thought there's gotta be a horse, and there was. There, there truly was. Okay. We ready to dive let's, into this let's fucking movie? Get into it. So we're just gonna kind of go. All right. Um. I guess let's lay out the uh, the key casting characters. Yes. So Mrs. Doubtfire came out in 1993. The director is Chris Columbus. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, I thought Chris Columbus only made Christmas movies in Chicago. And <laughs> did Chris Columbus do Chicago? No. Oh, I thought you said and Chicago. <laughs> no, he's always, he does Harry Potter. And Christmas movies in Chicago. In Chicago. Yeah. And this is, this is none of those things. Mm-mm. Who directed The Breakfast Club? Um, what's his name? Hugh. Oh. Something. <laughs> <laughs> we really, um, should get this, um. Uh, John Hughes. John Hughes. There we go. Okay. But him and Chris Columbus... Yeah. Work together frequently. So, uh, this is the main... Jump in with anyone else if you want. Um, this is the main cast and crew, though. We have Robin Williams playing Daniel Hillard. Sl- not you, Robin Williams. This yes, is I, I understand. Comedian and actor, Robin Williams. I don't want to get anyone confused. Playing Daniel Hillard slash... Uh-oh, spoiler alert. <laughs> Mrs. Doubtfire. It's, it's funny that the Wikipedia... Like, does it like that? Because there's an understanding from the audience that Daniel Hillard is Mrs. Yeah. They're not a different person. <laughs> uh, and then we have Sally Fields playing Miranda Hillard, who's Daniel's wife, soon-to-be ex-wife. We have their kids. Lisa Jacob plays Liddy Hillard. Uh, Matthew Lawrence plays Chris Hillard and Mara Wilson, not me Mara Wilson, but the famous actress who plays Matilda, mm-hmm. um, plays Natalie Hillard. And then we have Pierce Brosnan as Stu, Harvey Firestein as Frank Hillard. We have, and then I also just threw in Polly Holiday as Gloria. Okay. Yeah, I guess that's it. I would say that there's also Mr. Lundy. Who is played by Robert Prosky, who whom I've never heard of before. Mm-mm. But I feel like I recognized him. I thought you were going to say Rob Reiner, and I was like, that checks out. 
<laughs> he does have a rhino energy to him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so here the hell we go. Oh, and then I guess we'll just say off at the top. This movie's problematic as fuck. We're probably not going to get super into it because I think at this point people have talked about it. We'll bring up parts where we're like, excuse me? But yeah, most of this humor is like man dressed as woman, lol. Yes. Um, so, we open up and we hear a man whom everyone immediately recognizes, Robin Williams, singing. Mm-hmm opera and we learn the that, barber of seville mm-hmm, that robin williams daniel hillard is a voice actor for cartoons he daniel he does voices he does voices for cartoons <laughs> um and what's amazing is that he's doing all the voices for this cartoon yeah it's like very talented voice actor which is why he gets fired from this job you're like it's you a, couldn't get more work you are apparently an extremely diverse it's a it's amazing <laughs> like it seems like he really he doesn't recognize that what he does is a real profession because he doesn't refer to himself as a voice actor <laughs> ever and because he doesn't realize that he could go to a different studio and get the job the only thing i will say is that uh the movie being in san francisco you're like there probably isn't a lot of voiceover work there. Yeah, it's probably not the place to be. For One would think L.A. Yeah. For, for something like that, yeah. So, maybe they're just there because it's all about his wife's job, you know? What a bitch. He's not respected as a professional at all. <laughs> no, he is not. Maybe he should act a little bit more professional. Um, but we learn quickly that he's a voice actor with a heart. Oh. Because we see in this scene... Uh, the little mouse or bird is given. Which is it, Daniel? Bird. Yes. Is given a cigarette from a cat, and he wants to add some lines in there about how smoking is bad and kids shouldn't do it. I feel like a fair point to make in a 1993. Fair point. And the studio is like, "What are you doing adding lines in there?" And he's like, "Well, I feel like you know we we shouldn't be showing this to kids." And he's like. Who asked you? And then, you know, we see that all the producers are smokers. So Mm -hmm. it's just, I think that the studio is kind of just owned by Big Tobacco. Yeah, I think that secretly the show he's voicing over is... Is a a cigarette ad. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Even though I'm pretty sure in 1993 you absolutely could not air a cartoon show. That's the only reason they would have fired him for this. (laughs) Because if it was just like... You don't get fired for one verbal disagreement. Unless it's like he absolutely refused to do it, which I did get the sense of a little bit. Yeah. But if they were like, do it or we're going to fire you, he probably would have done it. Because he has a family. He does have a family. Although, at this point in the film, he doesn't like think more than half a step ahead. So. <laughs> it's true. He's a real fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy. Oh, he quits actually. He doesn't get fired. Oh, he does quit. I wrote he got fired. Um, or maybe. I don't anyway, know. Let's say he matter. got fired. Let's say he got fired. Um, so he goes from uh, getting fired from his job to picking up his kids at school. Mm-hmm. And we learned that his kids love him. His kids love him. And it's his son's 12th birthday. Happy birthday. 
Um, and even though their mom uh, told him he couldn't have a birthday party because he has terrible grades, Robin Williams is planning her birthday party against her wishes. And without consulting her. And, like, th this isn't a birthday party. This is a full-on rager. Mm -hmm. On, like, a Wednesday? It's after school, yeah. If it, it, And, like, it has huge midweek energy. <laughs> it really does. And then he's, like, when she comes home and she's super pissed, he's, like, I was going to have it all cleaned up before you got home. Was this a two-hour party? Yeah. And she is home. And you didn't have it cleaned well, up. Well, she surprisingly came home early. Because it's her son's birthday and she has a cake. Well, all, no, sorry. That's not really how this goes. Because we need to go to her office. Mm -hmm. We learn that she is an interior designer or something like that. Yeah. It's a big office eh. job. And eh. she... Learns that she has this new client who's interested in working with her to restore a fancy mansion in Knob Hill. Mm -hmm. And immediately after that, she And she's gets, like, slob on my knob, am I right? Exactly. Click. Immediately after that, um, she gets a call saying that there's an emergency at her house. Yeah, because Gloria's a little fucking snitch. Go back to the house at the beginning of this party chaos it's it's chaos um but importantly this isn't just like any party there's animals there there are animals and first shot we get at this party we get a horse i think it's a pony actually i can't don't know if it's a pony or a mini horse closed captions said or robin williams later says be careful there's a pony there okay so at five minutes and 20 seconds. Yeah, it's just like, I don't know, we're not a podcast about horses, so I don't fucking know if it's a mini horse or a pony. Listen, we're not experts, we just point them out. Um, <laughs> we guess our best. There's no way to tell between a pony and a mini horse. I dare you to because, give me one criteria. Because the only way you could tell an alligator and a crocodile apart is because an alligator will see you later and a crocodile will see you after a while. Uh-huh. But you don't have anything like that for ponies and mini horses, so there's just no way to tell. There's no way to tell. And the bandanas or scarves that they have tied around their necks mm -hmm. aren't helping me distinguish either. Because they, they don't say pony. They don't. But this one has a blue bandana. That might be code for mini horse or pony. That feels like a code for mini horse to me. That's a mini horse energy. Um, and then there's another one, which I think this one was... Also, a mini horse could be a pony that had a beautiful golden mane. Wow. And a red scarf. And Natalie is on it. Yes. and we Unsupervised. Then, just child on a pony. We also think that there's a donkey, so just want to give a donkey shout out. We don't give the timestamps of donkeys mm -hmm. because, you know, they're inferior. Insert the, um, like a cool, like, one of, not like a record scratch, but one of those, like, intro to songs where it's like, You know, at the, at the, um, where they have the donkey and the zebra in the same pen together. Yeah. And the donkey really wants to be friends with the zebra and the zebra's not having that shit. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> like, who do, which one do you get? The dog, like, being oh, too... Oh, my God. I, I understand the donkey wanting to be friends with yeah, the, the zebra. Yeah, the godlike figure staring cool, at Because that's cool, and I understand the zebra being like... 
whatever. Uh, you know, I would say that uh, Zebra, take a long, hard look in the mirror. Who are you in the pen with? Hmm? Maybe not so different after all. <laughs> That's truly the point. <laughs> to be like they are. They're the same. We've decided you're the same, so. Um, and you look at them and you're like, wow, a zebra really is just a donkey with stripes. Don't tell a zebra that. <laughs> anyway, so. <laughs> so Miranda comes home. She has a cake. I'm sorry, I just like really need to talk about how chaotic this party is. There is a child swinging from a chandelier. <laughs> that, okay, and <laughs> uh, Robin Williams, sorry, Daniel Hillard, not me. Not you, Robin Williams. Uh, as House of Pain, just like bumping. And you're like, what is this, a Pringles commercial? <laughs> it... <laughs> Remember? You know, when I hear that song, I think of Pringles. I'll never not think of Pringles because, and I had, I had those, those like Pringles, the Pringles snack carrying like Tupperware specifically for your Pringles. Yeah, and I think that's what the commercial was uh, advertising because it was like all these hot people dancing at a party, and it was like, and you can bring. Oh, the thing about that is nobody eats that amount of Pringles. Listen, if you're opening the Pringles, you're eating that's the why whole you sleeve. Need, that's why you need to get the Tupperware or else you will eat the whole sleeve. <laughs> well, <wow. laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, Miranda comes home. We see a mini horse again at 7.48. She has a birthday cake for her son. She puts it down at 8.18. The horse starts eating the cake. Miranda's super pissed. And I was like, honestly... The, the horse in the blue outfit. Okay, the blue horse. Thank you for taking note of that. And I said that this party is like the song Aaron's Party by Aaron Carter. Because chaos is absolutely raining. Yes. And I think Miranda has a right to be upset because there is one adult there and there are like 130 children yeah. minimum i said miranda shuts the party down and she's the bad guy <laughs> <laughs> it's actually dangerous at this point there are just live and like both like angry ones like sheep and they'll that, fucking ram you if you and, touch them weird and i think that when um Miranda comes home, Robin Williams is dancing on the kitchen table, mm -hmm. and he speaks to her in, like, he does a black scent. I can't tell if he was going for, like, African-American vernacular, or if he was trying to do, like, like a, like a Mexican accent. I couldn't tell what he was going for. Either way, for. it's not how he talks. Either way, no, it was and It, it struck, struck me as racist. No, it was racist. It was just, it's hard to tell what the... The uh, indicators they were giving us were his Which, his like his button up shirt was only buttoned on the top two buttons and Robin Williams frequently seems to lean into one of his hard I'm doing hard air quotes right now one of his funny accents being yeah, yeah. like Hispanic or Chicana and what's funny accents. about that is I think he's doing that in in to to try to like match with the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. But I think House of Pain is a completely Irish rap group. Irish people can be black. Uh, well, no, I'm checking this, and I think that the thing is they're they're not. Irish or black? <laughs> 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 uh, hold on. Uh, DJ Lethal 
Great name. Okay, he's he's Latvian. It doesn't matter. Anyway. So that's enough to divorce somebody if she realizes her husband's racist. <laughs> well, she probably is too. We'll get into that later, but she doesn't. <laughs> she's she she does not have a clean slate either. Okay, also there's just a pony on a table. There is a pony on the table. That table's how, strong. How, and you know, how did it's it not get an up IKEA there? Table. It is not a night. That's one of those solid wood tables I've been hearing about. So Miranda and Daniel get into a huge fight and it's like kind of too real in a way that feels really traumatizing and uncomfortable. The kids are right there too. And it's Chris's birthday. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's like, oh, this is all fine. We can work this out, you know. Because we still love each other, and she's just like, hmm? because what's that? What do we? I you and we said what? What do we do? And then he's like, oh, and then she says, I want a divorce. And then he says, hmm. And you get the. It seems like Robin Williams is surprised by this news. He does seem. There's surprised something by this that's news. been weighing on her for a long time, and she hasn't made herself plain. Yeah, but I I also think what you get a sense of Robin Williams of he just ignores the bad. Yes. So there could have been a lot of red flags and he's just brushed them off and she's sick of it. Mm -hmm. So Daniel goes to his brother Frank, who's played by Harvey Firestein, mm -hmm. and he's like a movie makeup artist. Okay. Yeah. Or he does makeup. It, it seems like he's just a makeup artist, but then he has access to prosthetics yeah and he's just staying there with him so then we cut to court and it's the custody battle with miranda so we're like oh shit they got divorced mm -hmm. big time big time <laughs> they did the whole thing so this is different than a little time divorce yeah. uh a soft divorce <laughs> yeah they did a hard divorce <laughs> And Miranda has sole custody of the kids, and Robin, uh, sorry, you're Robin Williams. Um, <laughs> Daniel, Daniel can only yeah. see the kids once a week, and this is the arrangement for three months, and then they'll check back in. But he needs and a job. Only and a on place Saturdays, to too. Yeah. So it's like, okay, if this is how it's going to be for his entire life, then, you know, all of his. I mean, I'm sure he loves to see his kids, but it's like, I need more flexibility than that because. People have other plans on Saturdays sometimes. You don't want to spend every Saturday with your kids. And that's what I was thinking too. Of like, if this goes on for like two years or something, his oldest kids are going to start dating. And like, that Saturdays are uh, in high demand for mm -hmm. like teens. They're, yeah, they're give, not going to be showing up anymore. Like, tell me one day a week, but maybe leave the day up for me and my ex-wife to decide. Right. Because maybe sometimes I want a Wednesday. Sometimes I just need that day to kind of be floating because I do have other shit going on. Also, he needs to find a job. And, and like, so he absolutely needs a job. He can't be picky about what that work schedule is like. So what if then it happened to be on a Saturday? Right. Yeah. He's given 90 days to find a job and make a suitable house for his home for his children. Which means that this man by himself in San Francisco needs to find a job in which he can afford at least a three-bedroom apartment, I would mm -hmm. say, because he has three children. Mm -hmm. You can't put them all into one room. Yeah. It's it, it's not really... 
That's a lot to ask of somebody. It's a lot to ask. Uh, and then he says goodbye to his kids. He goes to his court liaison, and it's we just get like five minutes of impressions. Oh my god. Um, Anything else you want to say about that scene? <laughs> yeah. I, I have a lot to say about this scene because his court liaison is like, oh, I made an appointment with you at this um, unemployment office so they can help you find a job. Do you have any special skills? And he says, I do voices. Mm? And she says, pardon? <laughs> so then he proceeds to do voices. A lot of voices. Some are racist. Mm-hmm. It's what you'd expect. But he just continues on and on and on. All he has to do is clarify, I am a voice actor. Yes. And she'll say, she was, oh, oh yes. a profession that exists. <laughs> because doing voices Does it is, not, is not a special skill Mm-mm. at all. <laughs> And I thought that you were just a dick. Yeah. <laughs> Which, uh, actually, this conversation has proven you're kind of just a dick. And so I am convinced that he's not aware that voice acting is actually a thing. He's like, wow, there's one place that would hire me for this thing I do, and I lost that job. And now I have to be a janitor. Which is, like, really strange. Strange, too, because um, before Robin Williams was the genie in Aladdin, people were more just voice actors. Like, people wouldn't be actors and they voiced a cartoon for something. Mm -hmm. You had voice actors and then you had actors. Robin Williams uh, playing the genie, like, kind of changed that when they realized they could put a big name Mm -hmm. behind a cartoon and get a lot of attention for it. Mm -hmm. So... That means he absolutely exists in a time when people knew you could, like, solely be a voice actor and get work for that. Daniel is having a hard time finding a new job. Uh, Oh, here I said, maybe finding voiceover work was a lot harder when there weren't so many video games. Maybe. And that's not a joke, that's just an observation. It could could be. I just think maybe video games have opened up a lot more opportunities for voice actors. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, wait, my next note is, uh, okay, uh-oh, Stu is hot. So I don't know what's happened. Oh, <laughs> so I think that you skipped a scene because he does land a job. I'm not sure what he does. It's like in a warehouse and he puts stuff in boxes and then he ships it out. But later, I th- we think I think it's attached to the TV studio. Because yeah, it's through he- this job that he meets the TV guy. I thought he, like, worked in the mail room of this TV studio. Maybe? Our producer is saying yes. Okay. It's a mail room. He puts stuff in boxes and he ships it, but it's mail. He he ships the film canisters to the TV <laughs> studio. Keep going. Cause, wow, they yeah. were like, how do we get this guy in the studio? This was just Which a, is like, he would have an impressive hurl. resume. <laughs> he doesn't need to start there. <laughs> yeah, his resume would be like voice actor for this show and then they would look him up and be like this guy did all the voices for this studio i think i think it's the same i think there's one studio in san francisco and it's like he could at least do commercials or this something. Is, wait this is the place that he quit <laughs> what how did the unemployment office get him a job there 
Maybe it's a different TV studio. <laughs> the one know. that's not owned by Big Tobacco. Yeah, the one that's not owned by Big Tobacco. Uh, yeah. Okay. So then is is next? Uh, okay. Uh, oh, Stu is hot. Yeah. So Miranda meets her client, Stuart. We're led to believe that they have a past, and it becomes clear that Stuart only hired her because he wants to sleep with her. He doesn't have much interest in restoring this mansion on Knob Hill. Yeah, he's more interested in his knob being in, in her, her hill. hill. Yeah. <laughs> Hillard. So, there's something there. Mm, her yeah. last name's Hillard. Yeah, this whole scene is extremely uncomfortable because Miranda clearly does not understand uh, what terms this meeting exists mm -hmm. under at all. Well, I think she's getting it, but, you know, she's trying to be professional. She's doing things like moving away from him, mm -hmm. changing the subject back to work. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, what if we just did a rot or a snog then? And she's like, snog? More like mantle clocks. <laughs> <laughs> And he just like keeps scooting near her and she's like getting up and walking away. And then he's like, can we talk over dinner? And you're like, okay, talk about work over dinner or is this a date? And Miranda's clearly confused by it. And the whole thing is really bad. It's really and, bad. Like if he wanted to ask her out, he could have done that not at work. He puts himself in a position of power over her and mm -hmm. intentionally blurs the line so that she has to say yes to his advances mm -hmm. in a way that a lot of men do in workplaces. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe someone named Harvey Weinstein, Stu? That's what you're doing. You're pulling a Harvey Weinstein. Mm -hmm. We might have to bleep that out. I don't know. I kept in the thing where I said Robert Wagner murdered Natalie. <laughs> I, I think that's... Listen, there are some things that are just accepted by the public. That's like in the public domain of libel. Okay. Like, you can... Like, just... I can say NASA faked the moon landing and they can't sue me. Yeah. Um, exactly. Okay. It's also like, we don't get money, so I feel like you can't sue me for saying something for free. <laughs> You know? Yeah, absolutely. I'll like do all when, I'll do all kinds of libel for free. Like when you like, or is, like, it, is it slander when you when it's I think slander is spoken and libel is written. Hmm. I could be wrong. Uh, I took a journalism class once. Mm -hmm. So yeah, don't let Stu in this. Oh, and then oh, he's like, uh Gucci Gucci goo and then she says, Okay, I thought I you thought I was good at my job and he's like Mm -hmm. <laughs> he said, I don't care about your job. Do you have a job? <laughs> yeah, it's fucked up. We see the kids at Daniel Hillard's house. Mm -hmm. Totally not that bad. Like, no. he's found a he place. He's a lovely apartment. Yeah. Uh, it's not super clean, but he just moved in. Yes. And he's going through the worst thing in his life right now. Um, Miranda shows up. So he is like this set time with his kids she shows up an hour early to pick him up and she's out there she's fucking honks the horn yeah, like fuck that shit. it's time to come out now kids are you fucking kidding me you can't go pick a dog on the door can we get your fucking kids 
Oh, and mm. this is a court order time. Yeah. That he is legally given to see his children. And then if... she... Go ahead. And she goes in there and she's like, she picks up the box of the Chinese takeout and she sniffs it and she's like, ugh. Racist. This is San Francisco. <laughs> Are you telling me you don't eat Chinese? Everybody eats Chinese food. It, it's the 90s. People are eating Chinese takeout everywhere. Rich people eat it. Poor people eat it. Every, it's one of the... It brings everyone together. Everyone loves Chinese Everybody food. Everybody loves Chinese food. And it's San Francisco. It has, like, some of the best Chinese She's like, food. what is this? Disgusting. Also... Can't believe you're feeding these to my kids. Are you... Are you fucking kidding me? Also, I'm not done with this. Number one, he just had to move out of the house. This is his first weekend, his first Saturday with his kids. He doesn't have any shit together. He's in the process of moving. Getting takeout for that is totally understandable. Number two, it's Saturday. It's <laughs> Saturday. You eat out on the people weekend. People don't cook on Saturdays. If you do, I'm going to say you're a fucking lunatic. <laughs> you're unwell. <laughs> Fuck you. People eat out or eat leftovers. Well, people eat out on a Saturday. And it's not like he just, like, got... He got... Like, cooked Chinese food. It's not like he took, like, got McDonald's that's just been sitting under a heat lamp and for It's hours. not like Panda Express. I'm sure it's... No, like, it's Chinese. It's quite, like... It, It'd be I, like the same <laughs> as getting Italian takeout. You wouldn't, yes. like, open a box of Panay and be like, ugh. It's the same goddamn shit. She's just low-key racist in <laughs> a city that has one of the highest... Chinese-American populations in the entire country. Why, why did Christopher Columbus send it in San Francisco? <laughs> one place that would be like, know. Be wearing a dress is fine and eating Chinese food is great. <laughs> but I, the, th the other thing I was going to say is like, just her showing up an hour early would be the same as him busting in during their day and being like, I'm taking the kids for an hour. You'd be like, no, you can't yeah. do that. It's, yeah. And I'm not going to blame anyone except for the writers of this film for being like, you know, when you have an ex-wife and she's just a real bitch about everything. <laughs> it's why, because like up to this scene, I'm totally on her side. <laughs> but you have to hate her. <laughs> and it's supposed to create like, like intense desperation for Daniel to see yeah. his kids. While Miranda is there picking up her kids... Uh, Daniel changes the number on her nanny ad so no one can reach her and only he can call her. Mm -hmm. So now we get this montage of him calling and pretending to be very bad contenders. Or as Marlon Brando would say, contendas. Yeah. Meh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, and there's a really bad trans joke. Yeah, so, okay, so this is... Like two scenes ago, we got Marlon. Uh, we, we got Marlon Brando. <laughs> we got Daniel Hillard, Robin Williams. Not me, Daniel Hillard, Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. um, You're Robin Williams, Daniel Hillard. Uh, yeah. Your full name. Um, doing a bunch of voices. Mm -hmm. Doing doing voices. It's funny. He does. Some <laughs> it's, some it's of them are racist. And then this scene, we get a montage of him doing a bunch of voices. Some of which are racist. Yeah, and one of which is transphobic. Mm -hmm. I, the 
disgust on Miranda's face when she hangs up the f first of all so many questions one person that Robin that Daniel's pretending to be is like I don't work with children who are boys I don't work with little boys because I used to be one what philosophy is that <laughs> and then like the disgust at which Farida hangs up the phone it's like Okay. Mm -hmm. Get over it yourself. Finally, Robin Williams puts on the famous Mrs. Doubtfire voice. The famous. And Miranda's like, finally a white woman. Finally a white woman called. Oh my god. Um, Miranda's like, are you cis? <laughs> I gotta know before I hire you. <laughs> um. So, she, you know, she's interested in, in interviewing this person. So... Robin Williams goes to his brother. No, you're Robin Williams. God damn it. Daniel Hillard goes to his brother to get a makeover. I love a makeover scene. And this is not that different from the last scene. No. Wait, Be but first, but first, this part is played for another transphobic joke, but then it just ends up being a nice moment where Robin, son of a bitch, <laughs> where Daniel says, can you make me a woman? And Frank is like, congratulations, and I'll always love you. And like holds his his mm -hmm. sibling. And you're like, that was a nice moment. Mm -hmm. But now, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Even though Robin Williams has already decided on the character he wants to be, mm -hmm. an English nanny named Mrs. Doubtfire, they try all sorts of things where they do like, a middle-aged Cuban immigrant. Mm -hmm. They do a very Jewish old woman mm -hmm. with like a super offensive nose. I imagine it's offensive. Um, you know, to to if I can't be offended by it. I'm sorry, I gotta go on Jew or not Jew. Mm. Verdict: Sadly, not a Jew. Okay. Robert Williams was not Jewish, but would we want him to be? Pro calls himself an honorary Jew. Okay, you can't call it. Wait, is that a pro? <laughs> Went to 14 bar mitzvahs in one year. Uses Yiddish in his comedy. Best supporting actor Oscar for Goodwill Hunting. The con is Flubber, Jack, Patch Adams, Death to Smoochie, RV, License to Wed. Uses silly voices in his comedy. <laughs> So he's not Jewish. Okay. So. Okay, but wait, I did. I'm sorry. We need to see if the genie is Jewish. Genie is a Jew. That makes sense. That yeah. Wow, that's a his Jew score is thirteen. That's a high Jew score. That's like Jerry Seinfeld's Jew score. Yeah, I think it only goes up to like fourteen. Or I think 15. the top is fifteen. Yeah, and I've never seen a fifteen. Um, I've seen some someone topped the list. Maybe Larry David topped it. Okay, hold on. I'm so sorry. Uh, let's just do Larry David really quick. 14! 14, wow. I love Larry Who David. Who have I seen that's a... I, I... Richard Lewis has to be a 15. 12? Uh, I don't know. Google, like... Mo uh, sorry, not Google. <laughs> just type in there, like, Moses. Moses. Is this that's your... gotta be... The... 14! He only has a 14! Maybe it does top at 14. It has to. 14 out of 15! Oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going down a rabbit hole. Okay, Mel Brooks. 15. There you go. 
Mel Brooks is a 15. <laughs> the quintessential Jew. Oh my god. Okay. Um, yeah, the only good thing about this scene really is um, you get a Fiddler on the Roof song. Does he play? He disguises himself as three Jewish women in, in that. Oh my god. He has like the old Russian Jew. Then he does matchmaker, matchmaker, make me a match. And then he's Barbara Streisand. And honestly, his Barbara Streisand impression is pretty good. Mm. And he looks pretty good as Barbara. <laughs> then he gets to be Mrs. Doubtfire. And now it's time for the interview. Yeah. And it uh, goes well. well. Yeah. Let's get some drinks. All right. Where were we? The interview. The interview. You said it went well. It, yeah. No, I thought, thought it went well. What did you think? I think it went really well. I mean, yeah, he got the job. He got the job. Amazingly, his wife can look dead into the eyes of her husband for 14 years mm. and not recognize him. Yeah. Um, so there were a lot of problems with their marriage. <laughs> yes. Um... Uh, then Daniel is leaving the interview as Mrs. Doubtfire, and he gets harassed on the bus because it's hard being a woman. Mm -hmm. And it was like, the bus driver was like a little creepy, but he wasn't super creepy in a way where, for the 90s, you're like, I don't know if the 90s knows he's being creepy, and I kind of wanted those, I really thought those two could make it work. <laughs> I was rooting for them. Yeah. Um... So, Daniel gets home, and his liaison is at his apartment. And it's, instead of just being like, Daniel's not here, he had an emergency, um, but I'll let you into the apartment, and you can look at it. He is like, yes, Daniel is in the apartment, come on up. And does the, the, I assume the scene that Hannah Montana was inspired from. <laughs> I've never seen Hannah Montana, but I assume it's a lot of switching wigs and being in the same room. I wrote, this is stressful and also stupid. Now I know what a cop feels like at a Klan rally. Nice. <laughs> oh. A lot of just switching hats. Damn. So, that happened. I don't know if I really want to get into the, like, no, the whole thing was stupid. Switching around, and no. it's just... No. His mask falls out of a window, he puts the cake on his face. Oh. Yeah. And the movie is just, like, a woman in a... That's a man? Uh, oh, my notes <laughs> are a mess. Uh, so... So at some point, he goes into a public bathroom and puts on the Mrs. Doubtfire outfit and walks out. So he must have been going from his job, his real job as Daniel, to his ruse job as Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay, yeah. So Mrs. Doubtfire is watching, We next scene, Mrs. Doubtfire is watching the kids. Mm -hmm. it's her, his job. It's, it's, it's Daniel Hillard, Mrs. Doubtfire's job to watch the kids from 3 to 7 p.m., right? Mm-hmm. These kids, they want to watch Dick Van Dyke. Because they're cool, hip children of the 90s. And they always watch Dick Dan... Vic, 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 Dick, Dick, Dickie. Ultra Dickie. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. Um, Mrs. Alfire says, you have to clean instead. You gotta clean or you gotta do your homework. Mm-hmm. So, the kids are not having it. They're terrible at cleaning. 
Mm-hmm. It's almost like they've never had to lift a fucking finger. Mm-hmm. I think they go upstairs and do their homework instead, yeah. right? Meanwhile, uh, Mrs. Doubtfire is doing the cooking. Wait, Ter- wait, when they... When the kids are stomping upstairs to do their homework, they're like, I miss dad. And then Daniel goes, I'm right here, guys. And you're like, <laughs> stop saying shit like that in the house. You're going to get caught. And why are you saying it out loud? You can just think it. <laughs> and we, the, we know. Yeah, you're you, Daniel. We get the meaning of that sentence. I'm not fooled by this guy. Because I saw you put it on, yes. <laughs> and because you look like Robin Williams, Daniel Hillard. Um, no, you're Robin Williams. <laughs> um, so yes, now he has to cook. cook. He's just terrible, terrible cooking. And why? Why is he cooking something so elaborate? This guy is using all four burners. All four burners. <laughs> and his titties catch on fire. He says he's making a hollandaise sauce. Why? What the? Just buy jarred hollandaise sauce. What? What is this meal you're making? The, uh, Miranda asked you to do some light cooking. Light cooking means rice, beans, tortillas. Mm-hmm. Was, I agree. It's grilled cheese. Grilled cheese, so easy. That's a one burner job. One burner. Unless you want to make three grilled cheeses at one time, use three <laughs> no, burners. You can do that. But well, that's still you can probably make two at the same time on one pan. Yeah. Um, I just really like use the pan, so it's so he catches he lights himself on fire. He, ca- he Daniel. This In the is boobing, important. Yeah. He catches his titties on fire, okay? Because yes. it's funny. funny. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> Although I kind of just do love the imagery of just blazing breasts. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Um, so it's a fucking mess. Uh, and he buys dinner instead. Yeah, but he makes them all think he made it. He passes it off as his own cooking. Where he threw away the uh, Tupperware containers, unless he's also like responsible for taking out the trash. Mm. So now we get a montage uh, set to. Oh, air. also, he doesn't believe in ticking, apparently. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. He doesn't. Makes a big old stink about it. Well, he pays like $140 for dinner, which is like, you could have just made rice and beans, like I said. Mm-hmm. Like I said. My God. You could have fed all those kids for 50 cents. Oh, Dan, oh, my laptop died. How's your laptop doing? <laughs> well, I'm pretty good. Let's, yeah. Thank get, you. Get you in there. The next scene is the montage to Aerosmith. The dude looks like a lady, so... Wow, that's so funny. Is it? That's so, that's, yeah, it's the funniest thing I've ever heard of because it's like he's a man and he's dressed like he's a woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's like the dude looks like a a lady. And it's just, it's just Daniel Hillard as Mrs. Doubtfire kind of learning how to do things as Mrs. Doubtfire, I guess. And the kids are really liking him. Learning how to cook. Mm-hmm. Learning how to be sort of a good nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it ends with a man trying to snatch Mrs. Doubtfire's purse. 
That feels like that's what happens. And that, but Mrs. Doubtfire is able to wrestle the person away. Get it? Because, because he's a it's, man. It's a, it's a man. Big strong man. It's Daniel Hillard. So Stu is really putting the moves on Miranda, and Daniel doesn't like it. And so, like, Mrs. Doubtfire comes in, and Stu is sitting with the family, and he like invites Miranda to dinner, and you're like, okay, this whole relationship is extremely muddled because Miranda's talking to Mrs. Doubtfire and says, these are actual quotes from her. I don't know what is happening. This is business mostly. Mm. Well, it's either it, he's your client. Yeah, he, and you don't take your client into your house to meet your meet children, children and have him like, I think he's reading them a book. I think that he just like having them all sit on his lap. It's and then Mrs. Doubtfire is like, he is trying to fuck you. And then Miranda is like, maybe I want to get fucked. Okay. When, when did you start fucking after your husband died? And because Mrs. Doubtfire doesn't actually have Miranda's best interest at heart um, and never actually had a husband because she is Daniel. Hmm. Is like, I never fucked again after Winston died because I'm not a slut. And then Miranda's like, this is why I keep you here, Mrs. Doubtfire, keeping me honest. <laughs> and I guess after that is when Chris walks in on Mrs. Doubtfire peeing. Standing up, yeah. And says... Which is what, because... Um... Women can pee standing... Well, women can have penises, but also then people with vaginas can pee standing up. Yeah, but... You probably wouldn't. <laughs> right? Pretty invigorating. A real, am I going to make it in the toilet or piss all over no, myself? No, that's, that's why you wouldn't. Mm. Okay. Before we get to the problematic part of this scene, we have seen the bodysuit Robin Williams wears as Mrs. Doubtfire. There's not a dick hole. <laughs> I, and I, I sort of feel like... um. How does he take his penis out? Yeah. I feel like he would just pee sitting down if he were, you know, in character like that. He's a real method actor. Yeah. Yeah, he would pee sitting down. Um, also, how does he take his penis out? He'd have to take the whole bodysuit off. Mm-hmm. So Chris sees a woman standing and peeing, and his immediate reaction is, we have to call oh, the cops. You have to call the police here. A crime has been committed. A crime. And so Daniel's forced to come out to his children. Yeah. And even even after this, even after Daniel Hillard is like, guys, guys this is me. Um, I'm pretending to do this so that I can spend more time with you. His son still will not touch him. Won't touch him. Mm -mm. Not even like a. In the kid's defense, though, his dad did not wash his hands after peeing. Mm -hmm. uh, but as I said, the penis is sterile. <laughs> the reason why you wash your hands after peeing is because you have to touch the 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 toilet flusher. Uh, and I don't know if Chris won't touch his dad because of this Mrs. Doubtfire thing, or if it's just like because Chris is feels like he's too old to be like hugging his dad because he says it's all right it's a man thing right chris and chris says yeah and it's like 
is Daniel just saying that to make the situation less uncomfortable? Or is it just that Chris is too old to be hugging on his dad? I feel like he's not too old to be hugging his dad. Oh, his dad's not right. He's not gonna touch his dad because there's something psychologically fucked up with his dad. And that's why they need to get the police here stat. <laughs> the police are really great at uh, diffusing situations when somebody is having some sort of mental episode. Absolutely. <laughs> and being... <laughs> Not even, I won't even say. Imagine this movie, but th this this scene is where it's the same movie up to this point, but they do call the cops, and the cops show up, and then they just do a murder. They might not do a murder because it's a white man, but they also don't treat people in the queer community well, so it would be a real toss-up to see <laughs> true toss. how it went. A, a true a choose-your-own-path kind of mm -hmm. movie. Yeah, like Bandersnatch. <laughs> I'm only laughing because it's horrible and the cops are bad. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. And as our sound producer pointed out earlier, where it was like, so they have a gay uncle. Number one, this is San Francisco. Number two, they have a gay uncle, Uncle Frank. And they call Uncle Frank's partner Aunt Jack, which means that they're comfortable playing around and going against the gender dichotomy. Like that doesn't confuse them to call their aunt Jack is a cis man, mm -hmm. but he's just he, he's just more feminine um, and likes to like play up on his feminine traits. So they already have somebody in their life, a, like a loving figure, constant figure in their life who isn't like, I'm a man and so men do X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. I don't understand why they're like, I just saw a man in a dress and thus I must call the police. <laughs> they also, once again, live in San Francisco. They've seen this before. <laughs> they know about this. I, I was going to say I'm sure that their classmates have trans parents and stuff like that, but uh, maybe not because we're terrible to trans people and don't let them do things like have children. Mm -hmm. As you kind of see in the movie, the movie almost touches on it and is like, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> <laughs> you brought up how we treat trans people terribly. But okay, Chris Columbus. So, next scene, Robin Williams is at his job at the television studio i guess and he accidentally meets the president of the company accidentally. mr lundy yeah and he's like shooting the shit with mr lundy he's telling some jokes he's being uh a real daniel hillard you know mm -hmm. the things that daniel hillard is famous for mm -hmm. shooting um, the shit just shooting the shit chewing the fat and he's got some ideas on how to improve the show he tells mr lundy the show fucking sucks yeah. And you could make it better. And Lundy's like... Oh. I will say he doesn't have some ideas. He has one half-baked idea, which is... Make here, it better. He, make it better. Maybe the dinosaurs sing. Here are three dinosaur puns I thought of. <laughs> That's true. But Mr. Lundy's like, this guy's got some, uh, some, some ideas going on. He and, likes the cut of his jib. And then... Daniel Hillard's boss is like, you gotta put these things in the boxes and you gotta ship them. And the president of the company is like, 
you better do what your boss says. I mean, I don't, if, if he outranks me, I guess. <laughs> right? <laughs> He's not like, oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Lundy, pardon me, sir. He, Mr. Lundy's like, oh, fuck, I know what to tell. It sounds like those things gotta go on the plate. I don't know. <laughs> Let's meet at a different time. We could. Well, no, I think that's like, that's it's it later. for that. It's yeah. later. Um, okay. And now, for some reason, we're just getting clips of Robin Williams dressed as Miss. I'm sorry, you're Robin Williams. Why do I keep doing that? <laughs> Daniel Hillard walking around San Francisco, and then it's Frankie Valley singing Walk Like a Man. Yeah, it's yeah, Frankie yeah. Frankie Valley, right? I don't, I don't want another Henry Belafonte situation on my hands. I don't know. Anyway, but we go back to Miranda's house. Wait, I do have one question. What? <laughs> your, what is your fucking question? Pardon me. Um, my question is just on the theme of shitty songs being played. Um, and I don't want to shit on Frankie Valley. Oh, what a night is an absolute banger. Parentheses. Like, just... 1963? Something, yeah. Um, did we ever get the song She's a Lady by Tom Jones? I don't think so. Are you fucking kidding me? Well. I feel like they had to have played it when we got in the full Mrs. Doubtfire costume, and I don't remember. No, I don't, I don't think they did. And at that point, it's like, okay, they begged Tom Jones for those rights, and he refused. He was like, I don't like this movie. <laughs> Yeah, because that the, picking that song would be an absolute. He said, "I read your screenplay, and it's bad." <laughs> I love Tom Jones. You know, knowing when to say no. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, so we're back at Miranda's house, and Mrs. Doubtfire <laughs> tells Miranda uh, that her husband Winston died because he was hit by a Guinness truck, which is fun. <laughs> it's moments in the movie um and then miss Stephire, you know kind of probes miranda about her marriage mm -hmm. to daniel we learned some things like which you could say is an absolute invasion of miranda's privacy mm -hmm. because you know it's daniel mm -hmm. pretending to be somebody so he can get secrets out of his mm -hmm. wife it's bad to lie <laughs> it's to bad to get lie. information out of people yeah. Yeah, a real christmas prince situation a real christmas prince situation uh and we learned that you know the sex was whatever um <laughs> and he's surprised he's... and it's like i'm sorry you've been married for 14 years and you just now <laughs> asked how the sex was of course it was bad uh daniel hillard never cleaned up the house um he couldn't ever have a serious conversation and the big one she was unhappy all the time that's bad um yeah you shouldn't be unhappy all the time i mean we're all unhappy all the time it's, but that's true but she was unhappy specifically with her um marriage and family yes she was like i hated my kids i hated being around my kids oh my god is this when she says that um she <laughs> she 
<laughs> really likes Mrs. Doubtfire because now she likes spending time with her children. <laughs> now she doesn't say it. They just go to a random pool party with Stu. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't feel appropriate for children because it's a lot of hot women with, like, oiled-up abs and high-cut bikinis and an open bar. Yeah, I said... And no other children. I said that we learned Stu is a little diver fish boy. Diver fish boy. He is a little diver fish boy. Uh, Miss Doubtfire notes that Stu is a tiny penis. Again. Again. And it's like, maybe so, but, um, you know, like, we we learned that you only just started caring about the sex you've been delivering <laughs> for 14 years. Yeah, so I don't trust that uh, you've been doing good sex. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Mrs. Doubtfire sits by the bar and she gets wasted. She can't go in a bathing suit because... Mm-hmm. She's Daniel Pillard in disguise. Oh, wait, what? Uh-oh, spoiler. <laughs> we learn that Stu has been kind of like a, a bachelor, like a, a player mm-hmm. up to this point in his life. But uh, he says that he's pushing 40, mm-hmm. and he thinks that it's time for him to settle down. And he says he loves those kids. I, I Those kids are great. Yeah, I do actually really like this scene where... I, I like that this movie makes this situation just a little bit more complicated, mm-hmm. where Daniel just... There are reasons Stu was a bad person, but not for 1990s standards. And we were just hating Stu because Daniel hated Stu. Yeah, like, the the way that Stu engaged Miranda is bad. Mm-hmm. But everything he's done since then is fine and he seems like like a genuine the good guy basically he especially has... for like what what the movie sh- what the movie was probably trying to tell you is that Stu's great yeah he um he entered that relationship with no poor intentions he just wants to be with Miranda because he likes Miranda and he likes her kids and is ready to have a family mm-hmm. and I like the setup of the scene because how like uh, because how Daniel is kind of hiding around the bar and eavesdropping you think this is when he's finally going to get the dirt on Stu and there's no dirt and his friend kind of sets him up a little bit like Stu what's going on you used to love dating women and not having children. And Stu <laughs> says, true, friend, but I was young then, and I'm an adult now, and I would like to have a stable partner to grow old with and raise a beautiful family. It's just so normal. Yeah. Where he's like, yes, I am older. <laughs> I agree. Used to do, used to believe I did not want kids and now I'm older, and I like the kids. <laughs> they are <Good>. nice, <laughs> and they make me happy, and I want to be in their life. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Yeah, it. Yeah, the movie. It seemed like it was setting up like a. Yeah, and I hate those little brats. I hate those twerps. I'm just trying to get them. I'm just trying to drown them in this pool today so I can... I'm going to murder those kids <laughs> and then I'm going to have sex with their moms. On their bo- dead bodies. Cut that out. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> I'm gonna trying to set up a situation where the dad gets full custody of the kids and we never have to see the kids again, but I get to have sex with the mom all the time. That, at that point, Daniel would be like, 
Mm. <laughs> Not really. I don't like the sex part, but I do want to focus on Oh, and then they team up. <laughs> they do like the predator hand grip. Daniel looks Stu dead in the eyes and goes, I'm going to make sure you fuck my ex-wife. <laughs> what a wild movie we just storyboarded. <laughs> I think that is a much better movie. It's going to be called... It's going to be called... Dad and Daddy. <laughs> that's How's that? That's really good. Thank you. <laughs> the same movie up to this scene. Yes. And then we just drop, we drop the Mrs. Doubtfire part. We never speak of it again. Um, so that's pretty much that scene, I guess. And then Daniel is at work and... Finds toy dinosaurs and He's just, just fucking around. Start. This is not fucking around though. This is I would. This, it's sick and twisted. <laughs> the energy he's putting into it, and like he'll play with the dinosaur and then like look into the the set camera, not the camera filming the movie, but like the set camera, mm-hmm. as if he's. Very much pretending that he's on a TV show or knows he's being watched. Which is wild because I don't think he's ever considered this as a career. Because if he had, he would pursue it. But he... That's why I'm like... The ending of this movie is so weird because it makes so much more sense for him to take on like a writer's role or he does a voiceover role of the dinosaurs or something. Mm -hmm. But anyway, he just goes balls to the wall and does a horrible raptor rap. Yeah, but it's 1993, so I think it would have... Like, do you... Emily, do you remember the Donkey Kong rap that was in Donkey Kong 64? Yeah. It's awful. No, it can't be. And that was, like, 1998. But that sounds really good. No, but it... In the Pokemon rap? It, like, that was made in, like, 1998, and it... Flows like how, um, like really early, like late seventies and and early eighties, like raps were, and it just sounds like we there was so much good hip hop already where they could have got Souls of Mischief. Yeah, it was like Illmatic was four years before that, and people knew that you could do a lot. With, with, rapping, right? Daniel, may I? So I'm just saying that like what what came out as like fun little like, uh, studio producers or like television people making rap was mm-hmm. like not good. Like they didn't put a lot of effort into it. So yeah, go ahead, please play that. Okay. Oh my gosh. This monkey rap. (laughs) Well, I would say that song was incredible and a great rap. Okay, so I was wrong. (laughs) His mouth works again. Here's the thing. Uh... He does a James Brown impression for like two and a half minutes on a children's show in the 90s. And I don't know if anyone would understand that. Yeah. 
He doesn't understand children. <laughs> I don't know who his jokes are for. Because he's like too spastic for adults, but his references are too outdated for children. <laughs> Lundy walks out and is, is like, oh, hello. <laughs> the jokes are for Lundy. But Daniel's like, oh, I was just messing around. I didn't even know. And it's like, oh, this is what you do when you think you're alone? <laughs> At work? <laughs> <laughs> Your job. <laughs> Boss makes a dollar, I make a dime. That's why I make dinosaur wraps on company time. Am I right? Hell yeah. <laughs> So, Lundy loves it and sets up a dinner at Bridges at 7 p.m. on Friday. And because we hear those specific details... Remember that. No, I don't think that'll come back. Okay. You know, movies will just give you specific details and you don't need it to know it, when or why. And it doesn't matter. And then the kids are eating spaghetti! Yeah! Um, yeah, Daniel has really improved his domicile. Mm-hmm. Um, he cleaned up a little bit. And he learned to cook. He made spaghetti. <laughs> he made spaghetti, which I imagine is he boiled water, yes. put the pasta in it, and then maybe he, I assume he bought a jar of sauce right. and he heated that up. Maybe he had a little this, a little of that. And he, I think he definitely toasted up some garlic bread. He di There was garlic bread involved. And he said he made dessert, but I don't know if we ever see what the dessert is. I don't think we do. So, you know he's doing very well. The kids and Miranda are impressed. It almost makes Miranda want to get back together with him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Except for, you know, all the bad things. And I think at this moment, Daniel asks Miranda to give him more time with the kids. And she's like, I can't fire Mrs. Doubtfire. I love having her around and in charge of the children more than their biological father. Yeah. I would rather continue paying this woman to watch our children than let you have any more time with your kids. And this is when she says the thing where <laughs> she's like, um, Mrs. Alfire is so great and she's made the kids so well behaved. I find myself coming home early to spend time with them. They so, finally don't suck ass. So as the viewer, you're like, Back up. Back. <laughs> Hold the phone. You find yourself coming home early to spend... So you've always had the option to come home early and spend more time with your kids. But in the past, you've chosen not to because you used to hate your kids. Yes. And it's like, maybe this is why your kids weren't super well behaved. Mm -hmm. They had a mom they knew that was actively avoiding them because she hated them. And their parents had a horrible, tense marriage. Yes. So, big point of this movie is that these kids actually don't need a nanny. Nope. At all. All they needed was better parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Miranda begs Mrs. Doubtfire to join her and her family for Miranda's birthday dinner. And it's Friday, 7 p.m. at Bridges. Wait. Say it again. Fri it's Friday. Mm -hmm. No, hold on. Let's back it up. I'll I feel like I've this. heard this before. No, I'll change it. So it's at the restaurant Bridges. Okay. It's a great restaurant. I feel like I've heard of the restaurant. Yeah. And then it's about what time we eat dinner? 7 p.m. Uh -huh. 7 p.m. Um, and like then it's... A Wednesday? 
No, no, no. It's on a Friday. Oh, that's going to be a problem. Uh, pourquoi? Uh, no, because I remember in the last scene, or two scenes ago, um, it seems like Lundy asked mm. uh, Daniel to go to dinner at Bridges at 7 p.m. on a Friday. No, but yeah, he just asked for Bri dinner at Bridges at 7 p.m. on a Friday. Oh, son of a bitch. Now, Daniel, and oh, hold on. <laughs> Only pieces together. I think Daniel is the same person as Mrs. Doubtfire. He can't go to the birthday dinner That's then. That's gonna be rough to go because well, he are, well he already surely has, surely already has plans. Yeah, surely, um, he, Mrs. Doubtfire will yeah, say mean, no. It's it. He's not on the clock. You know, like he's. You can't force. It's literally after only, her he, time working. He only works uh, three to seven. Yes. So. I just say so you're not available, right? Because you're not available. I'm not available. I can't. I can't come. You have, you have plans. It's Friday night. Yeah, but Miranda says, "Why? What do you have to do? You he don't says, get to ask me that. This is my time off." I, you're, you're my boss. Um, uh, respectfully, fuck you. Respectfully, fuck you. But uh, Mara Wilson, not me, Mara Wilson, the actress Mara Wilson says. But please, Mrs. Downfall, can't you please come to the dinner? I love when you eat food. It's so cute. And then Mrs. Downfall is like, how can I say no to that fucking face? One, it's simple. Say no. Just say no because the the alternative is an absolute nightmare. Yes. Also, what? You're going to go to dinner disguised as an old woman with your ex-wife and her new boyfriend. That is the most fucking cuck move I've ever heard of in my entire life. Yeah. And then Miranda's like, I insist you come for my birthday because you're a part of this family. So it's like, okay. I'm not, but okay. I'm, I work for you. Mm -hmm. You pay me to spend time with your kids. I'm not a part of the family. Mm -mm. Um, also, are you paying me to come eat dinner with you? These are things that need to be worked out. Am I at work when I'm eating dinner with you? Um, but what we've learned is Miranda is not good at, uh, Establishing boundaries. Yes. <laughs> because she's still not sure if Stu is dating her or if she's <laughs> helping redecorate his mansion. And also, oh wow, yeah. Because if Stu is a client of hers, then she should be making money off of the things that she does with him. The they non sexual things. He did buy her a very nice tennis bracelet. Or even those, maybe. They definitely haven't had sex. Um, and if, you know, if they're dating and he's not a client, well, she needs to, you know, not be charging this time to the company. To, yeah. Um, because the, the company is not, you know, generating any money from this account because the account doesn't exist it doesn't exist it was a long con um also kind of wild to spend this much time with a woman's children and buy her uh expensive tennis bracelet if you're in i mean i guess the night maybe 1993 is different but like i feel like this is this relationship is at a point where they would be sleeping together it was in the 90s and she has, like, young kids, so she can't just be, like, bringing dudes <laughs> home. Also, he has a lot of money, so maybe the, the whole thing's just different. And he's James Bond. He is James Bond. So. 
Like maybe you open with the bracelet. Yeah, it's very James Bond. Maybe you're James Bond. Yeah, you definitely do open with the bracelet when you're James Bond. So, well... I mean, I'm not saying it's wrong to buy things for women that you're not sleeping with. It just seems... It seems like that's what you're saying. No, I'm just kidding. It seems just like he spent so much time with her and her children that it, it would be established that they're in a relationship and... But it's not established at all. No, the movie just does a really bad job of showing, like, that pivot between mm-hmm. when they actually start dating. Because you're just supposed to be like, look, it's a hot guy and he's interested in her, so they're going to start dating. But when he, he first is introduced to her children, they're not dating at that time. Yeah. So, you're, but then when they go to the pool party, he's like, I'm crazy about her kids and I want to marry her. So how much time have you spent with her kids? Yeah. Because it sounds like a lot. But less than three months would have passed because from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie is three months. Mm -hmm. So just question marks all around. But while any rational and reasonable person would say, no, I'm busy and leave it at that, Daniel decides somehow he can be in two places at once. Yeah, he's going to figure it out. He doesn't. So at first he tries to move his appointment with Lindy, which is the worst move you could do. You have a meeting with an incredibly important person. You can't just move your meeting with them. Yeah. But he tries. Lindy's booked solid. He can't move the meeting. So now it's the night of the dinner. Lindy arrives before Daniel. Bad luck. Bad luck. Mm-hmm. And he says to sit in non-smoking. The Hillards, Stu, and Mrs. Doubtfire are right behind Lundy. So Mrs. Doubtfire insists that they sit in smoking. So I guess they're not in the same section as Lundy. They have a five-year-old. Yeah, they're children. Why would you put the children in the smoking section? He shouldn't have gone to the birthday dinner. And it's her birthday. That's her birthday. And she, the, like, Stu's, like, non-smoking. And Mrs. Doubtfire's, like, smoking. And it's, like, it's not your birthday. And beginning of this movie, you just went off about how children should absolutely not inhale cigarette smoke. Oh, my God. I didn't even think about it. No, you're shoving your children in there. Oh, my God. It's his kids. His kids. So... Jesus fucking Christ. This whole thing is a shit show. I I did say that this is like some parasite shit, though. Forcing your staff <laughs> to come to your birthday party and just do this really weird balance between you work for me and we're friends. Mm-hmm. Especially when Natalie's like, I have to go pee. And then Miranda's like, oh, Mrs. Jaffrey, can you like fucking handle this? I'm sorry. Did you invite me here to babysit your children? Or did you invite me here as a fucking friend? Because I told you I had plans and you forced me to give them up. So mm-hmm. what's happening here? And then it's just a whole fucking thing. It's so Keeps going stupid. to the bathroom and did, changing. Did audiences in the 90s like this kind of thing? Was life so good for them that they needed movies to make them stressed out for unnecessary reasons? Who needs this? I don't want to see this. 
Because it's fucking dumb. The only thing I like about it is that he's accidentally getting super shit-faced because he has to drink a bunch at each table. Yeah. So it's just a lot of running around, a lot of women being like, what, I thought that was a woman that went in there and it's a man, and vice versa. The scene is at least three hours long. It's 40 hours long, I clocked it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he gets drunk and he messes up and he sits at Lundy's table as Mrs. Doubtfire. And so he's just like, oh, Mrs. Doubtfire is a character I've created for the TV show, which I don't know why that wasn't, if he had to double book these dinners, what did I say? Just go as Mrs. Doubtfire and say it's a character you're developing for the show. He does it at the end. At the end. But it's just been, he's been a terrible interviewee and a horrible guest at these dinners. Yeah. I mean, at one point, Mr. Lundy's like, where have you been and why do you smell like women's perfume and have makeup on you? He's like, oh, I just made out with a chick. I'm sorry, you left this interview <laughs> to go make out with somebody? Um. Pa- you don't get a job at that point. <laughs> uh, and, and then uh, here, uh, Stu chokes on a shrimp. Oh, wait. I do just want to do a shout out to a British man being like, oh, I'd like to jambalaya, but please don't put any pepper in it. I'm allergic to spicy. You're like, whoa. Who the fuck wrote that line? <laughs> That's a real mayonnaise is too spicy meme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so Stu chokes on a shrimp. Daniel saves him because Daniel's becoming a better person and won't just let Stu die. Even though he's trying to have sex with his ex-wife. Mm-hmm. And then his mask falls off and just kids are pissed at him. Even though they knew. But, but Natalie, the look on her face of... Sheer confusion and horror and disappointment. <laughs> Mara Wilson nailed that expression. <laughs> You're like, yeah, she's feeling all of these things. I hope that when they were making this movie, they didn't tell Mara Wilson that it was the same. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> Until the scene. Oh, and she's like, what? If Stanley Kubrick had directed it, that's what he would have done. <laughs> yes, he would have. So I feel like the kids are mad because they're like, wow, Dad can't believe you didn't let Stu choke to death. Way to fuck that one up, Dad. Because they get really mad at him. Yeah. And now we're back at the custody hearing. Also, like, I had forgotten that the two older kids knew about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so this scene, I was, it reminded me, and I was like, oh my god. These kids, it's kind of fucked up. Like, it's so weird that they would have just let this whole dinner thing happen. They didn't know he, oh, oh, like, they, like the oldest daughter, Lydia, wouldn't have been like, no, but they don't know he's double booked. Yeah, but they know he keeps leaving the table to, like, I don't, it's so weird. It is weird. Yeah, that, like, the son or the oldest daughter don't come in and, and be like, hey, what's going on with you? Yes. Whoa, Marcy's just dreaming some dreams. Um. So we're back at the fucking court hearing. So now we're back at the court hearing. And I guess the judge is like, uh, well, we found out you put on a dress, so you absolutely never get to see your children for a year. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> I put all caps. He has to answer for his Mrs. Doubtfire crimes. He has not committed a single crime. And then Miranda is really having trouble finding another nanny, even though she knows that her ex-husband is fully capable of handling the children because he's proved that yes. over the last three months. And she's like, I don't know what I'm going to do now that Mrs. Doubtfire doesn't exist. And I hate my husband for being a good guardian. We loved Mrs. Doubtfire, but we hate Daniel. We hate Daniel. And then Mrs. Doubtfire has a TV show. And I guess now Miranda is like, well, he's successful career-wise. Mm-hmm. So everything is good. So they go to the TV show to talk. And Daniel is finally being serious. They have a serious combo. And he says, low-key, fuck you. Mm-hmm. You you knew why I was dressed as Mrs. Doubtfire. And you sat in that court and you didn't say shit. And I don't get to see my kids. And Miranda says, I was angry at you. What? <laughs> you don't get to fulfill those petty needs when your children are involved. Yeah. You denied your children the right to see their father for a year. That's fucked up. Mm-hmm. Especially when the oldest kid is 14. She's going to be going to college in two or three years. Yeah. So missing a year of seeing her dad is a lot of time. Yeah, it's a lot. Anyway, Daniel gets to see his kids. <laughs> yeah. And that's the end that's of the movie. That's the end of the movie. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> I, that's it, Daniel. What horse was your favorite? The, the horse that ate the cake. Yeah, that was mine too. Is that the blue bandana? Yeah. Yeah, I like that one took what it wanted. <laughs> was that also the one that was on the table? I don't think so. I think the other horse was on the okay, table. Okay, I like the one that was on the table. Oh, wow. That one was a party horse. Yeah. Daniel, were you happy with the amount of horses? Yeah. <laughs> it was. I also was. It was kind of the perfect amount. It's yeah. what I like to see in a film. Yeah. Okay, measure the amount of horse appearances via hands. Um, eight hands. Because they're mini horses? Well, because there just wasn't a lot of horses. I was happy with the amount of horses, but it wasn't a lot. Okay. I'm going to give it six hands. Okay. And I'm not going to go into further detail. Okay. It is what it is. It's six. It's true. It is what it is. It always is what it is. (laughs) It will never not be what it isn't, (laughs) as they say. Yes. As the old saying goes. (sighs) Do you give this movie a yay or a nay? Absolutely a fucking nay. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hated this movie. (laughs) <laughs> I also give this movie an A. I'm sorry. Robin Williams, rest in peace. You are an icon and a treasure. This movie sucks ass. <laughs> it's really bad. It's not funny. The parts that are supposed to be funny are just stressful or weird or racist or transphobic <laughs> or confusing. Yeah. I, I, it was not a good movie. I didn't have a... I think the only thing I liked was um, when he said that the drink killed his husband because he mm-hmm. got hit by a Guinness truck. Yeah. 
Um, and it's like the characters don't make sense. Mm-hmm. The plot doesn't really make sense. It didn't have like a point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It like <laughs> mm-hmm. so was Miranda bad because but but also but also Daniel bad <laughs> but I think that the movie tries to make bad. I think the movie tries to make the adult character at first it felt like when Miranda just shows up at his apartment and is like oh, nice fucking apartment you loser that I divorced and kicked out of our home uh, you're like oh she bad but then like later the movie tries to say that everybody is complicated and like mm-hmm. divorce situations are kind of just no one's a bad person in it and I like that you know they don't get to back together or anything like that I think it's a pretty good example of pe- parents getting divorced mm-hmm. except for all of the times Miranda is horrible like withholding information from the court just to spite her husband Although, I mean, that's basically a marriage story. I didn't watch that. That movie, like, I think won at least one Oscar. No. Oh, wow. I don't think anyone won for that. It could be wrong, but I don't think so. But, I mean, I guess that that's, how, that's how that shit went. Where they were like, um, you know, we don't want to hurt each other when we're getting divorced. We don't want to do, like, this petty shit. And then, you know, their divorce is super fun, Patty. And then, what's his name is like, I wish you were dead. Jesus! I wish that you were dead. That's fucked up. Yeah. So, I mean, that's basically Mrs. Doubtfire. It, that is Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, yeah, I guess I just, like, don't have a lot to say about the movie. Uh, it was bad. And I didn't like it. And it wasn't fun. Mm-hmm. It was mostly sad and stressful. I think Robin Williams did a good job. I think everyone did a good job with the material they were given. Mm-hmm. But the movie was bad. And I think what I want to end on is... Uh, okay, Daniel. Mm. You have your pick here. Do you want to know the juice score of Max Bialystok? The fictional character from The Producers. Carl Reiner or Gene Wilder? Mm, let's do Gene Wilder. All right, drum roll. Mm-hmm. You're going to put it in? Yeah. Okay. Whoa, 15. 15! Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder both get 15. That's amazing. Holy shit. Verdict to do. Now do, uh, do Paul Simon. 13. What's wild, though, is now look up Art Garfunkel. 11? It's lower than Paul Simon. Significantly. Yeah. Okay, that's where I want to end it. End of pod. Wait, let's list things. You can... No. Find us on Hello Horses Pod on Instagram. You can email us at hellohorsespod at gmail.com. I might make a Twitter because I'm better at Twitter. And you can donate to our Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) 
that doesn't exist. If you have money, I don't know, give it to give it to Ted Cruz's wife or something. Buy those um, beach towel charms that Mike Pence's wife sells. Don't don't do that. Don't do that. Give it to Texas. <laughs> All right, giddy on up.